Hey everyone, welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles. I'm Joanne. And I'm Kim. And since this is the month of love, right? And this is Nutrition Lifestyles. We are going to be discussing current diet and nutrition trends that we are either going to love or lose this Valentine's Day. Now these trends are controversial and Kim and I may or may not disagree with some of them. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I personally think that these diet trends have been and will continue to be controversial because of the World Wide Web. I mean, don't don't get us wrong. Technology is a beautiful thing. It link, links us with correct information sometimes, but at the same time, it can link us with misinformation if we are not aware of the sources of these websites and who is promoting these things. Very true. And as a result, people end up being confused because one website says not to detox because your liver is the detox um, organ of your body. And then there is a whole other website that's encouraging you to take this tea um, so that you can pull all the toxins that your body has. Exactly. So it can definitely get confusing. So instead of us going back and forth on all this misinformation and correct information at times, we're just going to discuss our top eight health slash nutrition trends that we hope you or your family members or your friends or your coworkers, whoever, we hope that you either love them or lose them this Valentine's Day. Yes. So let's get started with the first one, metabolism boosters. So one popular trend in the past decade was to drink lemon water to boost your metabolism. And this may or may not be absolute garbage. (laughs) (laughs) An increased metabolism is usually associated with weight loss or um, weight maintenance. And unfortunately, you know, we may want it to be, but there is no magic pill. And in this case, food, there is no magic food that can boost your metabolism. Metabolism can either be increased or decreased by various, various factors. So for instance... The more lean muscle that you have, the higher your metabolism will be. And in other words, if you strength train um, every day, you can improve your metabolism. Also, your metabolism does slow down as you age. So no matter what you do, there's no, there's no magic pill for that. We age every day that we wake up and live in this world. Um, so as you age, your metabolism will slow down no matter what. So... Food is not really a way to improve or increase your metabolism. What do you think, Kim? Love it? Lose it? I I disagree with you, Joanne. I really do. I'm kidding. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I, I 100% agree with you. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think the only benefits of, you know, drinking lemon water is, you know, you're going to get you're going to get vitamin C and vitamin C does have, does not rather have an impact on your metabolism. So let's keep that trend for Valentine's day. What about you? You, you love it. Um, so vitamin C that are in lemons can help boost your immune system, but I don't really think that your metabolism can be increased by drinking lemon water. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the next um, trend that we're going to look at is eat more superfoods. So that term superfoods 
Uh, I think it's just everywhere. I think that term is, I mean, I've seen it in the grocery store. I've seen it on the news. Superfoods is actually a misleading term. It, in my opinion, it describes a fruit and vegetable, which is supposed to have like a quote unquote, good for you overall health benefit. When in reality, the term is a glorified marketing term used to allure, um, customers that are unaware and not really sure what the term means. Very true. Because superfoods now I see it on any fruits and vegetable that you've been eating for years. Now they're termed superfoods when all fruits and vegetables really, they all contain micronutrients and antioxidants. Exactly. So these micronutrients and antioxidants, they help with a number of things in the body. They help to promote cell growth. They uh, protect the cell from damage. They aid in the proper functioning of the overall body. And all fruits and vegetables have some kind of quote unquote superfood benefit. It's not that, oh, an avocado has more superfood than wheatgrass or vice versa. So the best nutrition advice to keep in mind is to eat a variety of fruits and vegetables so you can get those micronutrients and antioxidants. And this is my opinion. So Joanne, do you love it or do you want to lose it for Valentine's Day? I love it because of the fact that it's causing people to eat more fruits and vegetables and increase their fiber intake, but lose the concept that there are specific superfoods. All foods have some kind of micronutrient and antioxidant to help with whatever it is or or help promote or support or whatever it is that you're looking for. Don't let these marketing um, giants make y'all think that oranges <laughs> are like the superfood to consume every day with oh, everything. <laughs> right. I agree with that. I so agree. So number three now. I'm kind of on the fence with this one. So soy and its various effects to different diseases and conditions. Um, Cancer, for instance, is one that soy has been linked with. So just to go into it a little bit, soy is a protein-rich plant-based food, which has had a bad reputation um, for promoting breast cancer and some other type of cancers. And this is because soy contains isoflavones, which were once thought to promote the proliferation of cancer. But there has been evidence-based scientific research that has debunked this myth. Um, Soy is found in foods such as tofu, tempeh, soy milk. You guys seen them everywhere. Edamame, just to name a few. And it's you know, it's safe to eat for the most part. Now, I will say there has always also been studies that Um, or research that has been out there in regards to soy, you know, causing sickness and disease and whatnot. So this is why I say that I'm on the fence about it. The research that has been out there in regards to promoting the intake of soy or um, saying that soy does not have any kind of negative effect to the body, it says that the concentration of isoflavones, they're not high enough to promote cancer, and the benefits of eating soy-based foods actually outweighs the risk. So, do we love it or lose it, Kim? What do you think? Okay, so let me me say this. (sighs) Prior to conversing more with Joanne about these quote unquote evidence based scientific research. 
Mm-hmm. I was all for it, all for soy, right? However, Joanne, tell me what you always tell me about evidence-based scientific research. Just because it's there hasn't been studies doesn't, you basically say just because there hasn't been studies doesn't mean that- It's not true, right? Just because it has not been studied doesn't mean that it's not true because, you know, I am from the island of Haiti and- there's not a lot of randomized, controlled, double-blinded studies done there, but it doesn't mean that the things and recommendations that they've been doing for ages are not true. Right, right. Um, additionally, I kind of think that, you know, with the double-blind evidence-based research trials, I would like to see who funds these trials. Right. Because, I mean, the plant-based um, alternative meat, soy companies are, you know, marketing giants. You used that term earlier. Mm-hmm. Right now for me, for Valentine's Day, I'm going to say I'm going to lose it. Let me tell you why. I'm just mm-hmm. saying this because of what Kim has done within her own body. Right. Um, long story short, about six months ago, um, I stopped eating soy products because I had, I think I shared this in season one, uh, really bad dysmenorrhea. To the point mm-hmm. where, like, I'm ending up in the emergency room having to take, like, IV morphine. And I'm not about to pay $3,000 every month because I need some IV morphine. Mm-hmm. So I just changed my diet and I eliminated soy. Um, Not completely. I would say the first month I was 100% soy-free. But it's in everything. Soy is in everything. Everything. Gum. You can't hide from it. So um, I would say now I'm about 75% soy-free and it has really managed my dysmenorrhea. I am, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of soy at all. <laughs> Is that the only change that you made just for the um, devil's advocates out there? Um, let me see. No, I started exercising a lot more too. Okay. Um, so I would, I would say it's a mixture of my diet as well as exercising. Yeah, I'm on the lose it in myself because I'm always um, weary of the negative aspects of things. So they're saying that, you know, the the benefits outweigh the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we just said, soy isn't everything. So even if you are consuming soy, just be weary or um, not weary. That's not the word I should use. Just be mindful that you're not consuming it all the time because we always say to vary your intake of different foods, vary your intake, vary your diet and consumption of one thing all the time is not recommended. Right. You know, this speaking about soy makes me think of, you know, maybe we should get like a, like a cancer doctor on the show one day. Mm. One of, yeah. One of the persons that Ladarius recommended to us to come and speak about soy Mm. and yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, the next diet slash nutrition trend that we're going to talk about is sugar. And that is sugar is bad for you. I love sugar. (laughs) (laughs) So as I like to tell my clients, sugar is sugar is sugar. The body, in my opinion, y'all, I'm going to see what Joanne thinks. The body does not differentiate cane sugar or sugar strictly derived from fruits differently from refined sugar or sugar found in a candy bar. So the quantity of sugar consumed may be different, but the body does not recognize the source as being different. Like for this reason, 
natural sugar is not mm. necessarily better for you. Mm. And I think when I think about this, I'm more so dealing with my diabetic patients. So an excessive amount of natural sugar can also spike your blood sugar just as easily as refined sugar can. And this can put one at risk for obesity and uncontrolled blood sugars. So Joanne, love it or lose it? Sugar is bad for you. Um, I, I'm going to, in this aspect, the way you just explained it, I'm going to lose it because mm-hmm. I totally agree with you that the body, you know, when it comes to diabetes and blood sugar spikes, you know, it doesn't matter if it's natural sugar, refined sugar, whatever the sugar may be, you know, it's going to cause your blood sugars to spike or whatnot, but I don't know if you've um, read or have heard talks of this, especially in the integrative health world in regards to sugar being an addictive or as addictive at as um, various crack or cocaine type drugs out there. Have you heard of that? Uh, I did hear about it. Yeah, I have. But this was like years ago, though. Right. So I would love that's something that I would love to hear a little bit more on from an expert in regards to is sugar bad for you in that sense. But I totally agree with what you just said. So I'm going to lose the sugar is bad for you overall concept, I I think. So let me ask you this question. Just going back to, you know, you said those circles have, you know, been speaking about sugars addictive. Um, Mm. I I know that from personal experience, sugar is addictive. So do you know how they feel about sugar in fruits? Do they think that's just as addictive as well? Um, I'm not quite sure. Actually, I am not quite sure. That's a question that we would have to ask. Right. And I know, guys, we we do have talks with um, potential talks. We're waiting waiting currently on a response. Right. (laughs) (laughs) For them to come on the show and speak about that. But I would love to know how they view fruits because my follow-up question to that would be, okay, what about the... The different vitamins and minerals that are found, right. like how how would you get that? Right, I'm always weary of diets that eliminate natural, right, wholesome foods. Yeah. Oh, so, like I, you know, I I do a lot of elimination diets, and they're always temporary, and they're due to food intolerances or whatnot. But just I don't know if nothing's going on. I don't like the idea of like, you can't tell me not to eat my mango. And mangoes are very sweet. Right. I, I, I can't tell you that I'm going to eliminate my mangoes from my life. Right. And you know, the same, this, that's the same, my same concept. I can't talk today. Where I think I don't like the labeling of food, good food or bad food. Like people make mm-hmm. it seem like food has a mind and the mind is able to make choices. I always tell my patients, I know I'm not supposed to bring up God. But I always say God did not make good food or bad food. Right. There is food that may be healthier for you and food that may not necessarily at this time be a healthier choice. Right. But food cannot be good or bad. Right. Totally agree to that. So this leads us to our next um, food trend, um, number five, which is very, very popular. And that is juice cleanses. Juice cleanses, eliminating toxins from your body. That is a good one. So (laughs) the liver, your liver, which is an organ in your body, is responsible for eliminating toxins. Your your liver and your kidneys, they process toxins, eliminate toxins. So toxins, they build up as a result of normal metabolism and chemicals we are supposed to, um, we are exposed to, I should say, 
on a daily basis. So for instance, foods and beverages can serve as an external source of toxins, seeing that it is broken down or metabolized by your body. So whatever you ingest in your body, it has to be metabolized by your liver and your kidneys or whatnot. And this includes these juices that people are consuming. So a a juice cleanse, does it or does it not eliminate toxins? And that's the big question because when you do consume a juice, it is adding a source of quote unquote toxins to the body and your body is metabolizing it. So the question is, are these juices, can they eliminate toxins by themselves? Hmm. For me, that that's a very controversial statement. So this, I would say I'm on the fence and the love it or lose it. I would include juicing to my dietary intake or my, my, my lifestyle, I would say. But I would never recommend juicing, period. So a lot of these juicing um, diets or trends that we see out there, they'll have people juicing for seven days straight and eating nothing else. And this is all they're consuming. So for me, one, they're not meeting their caloric needs um, during those seven days because it's very hard for you to drink. Mm-hmm. Say if your body needs fifteen or 1,800 calories to, to do what it needs to do daily, whatever it may be, it's very hard to consume that. So of course, you're going to see weight loss occur. You're going to see weight loss occur from the fact that you haven't been eaten that week and the fact that your body hasn't been consuming different minerals that may be retaining a lot of fluid, such as sodium during that week. So a lot of fluid loss occur. So people oftentimes think that these juice cleanses are working because they see weight loss and they equate that weight loss to fat loss when it's usually fluid loss that's occurring. Now, in the same instance, I do like the idea of juice of of juices or juicing when you are including the whole thing in a blender and blending it. So I'm not a big proponent of um, juicing, like using a juicer, because I feel like it removes the fiber, mm. the fibrous part of the fruits and vegetables. I like the idea of you including it in your daily lifestyle and adding it to a blender and helping to promote you know, your immune system, support your immune system and whatnot. So I'm on the fence when it comes to love it and losing it altogether. What about you, Kim? What do you think? (sighs) You know, I think with this particular trend, I'm going to need a little more information because, you know, as you said, you know, the main mainstream ideology is that juice cleanses eliminate toxins from the body. And all of a sudden, like my mind goes to, okay, is it carrot juice with a half a green apple and one lemon? You know, what type of recipe are they talking about? So if they mean juice by that type of juice, nah, I'm gonna lose it. But if they mean juice by nature's juice, aka water, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm gonna love it. Because water does help the liver and the kidney to do their job. Right. Case in point, someone comes into the hospital with acute kidney injury. What are they going to do? They are going to put some IV fluids up in that bad boy Mm -hmm. so that their kidney can boost back, bounce back to normal functioning. So if they talk about nature's juice, 
I agree. If they talk about some type of carrot juice, orange juice, apple juice, mixture medley, I'll disagree. Right. Because truthfully, I will say this. So when it comes to food and and we've talked about food being medicine um, before. So when it comes to food, you can't consume whatever juice in a week's time and have all whatever's going on in your body be reversed in that week's time. It takes time. It is a, it's like a, a, a chronic habit, like a habit that you, you know, continually do for you to see changes going on. So I'm saying this, what I'm trying to say is that when people think that they're consuming these juice cleanses, they're on this juice cleanse to eliminate toxins that they've been putting in their body, you know, bad habits that they've been doing for ages, for years, and they think it's going to be reversed in three to seven days. Right. And, you know, I've seen this as well with different people that, um, I know it's really sad, people that may be diagnosed with various cancers, they think that the fix all is to get a juice, a juicer and start juicing. When that's, yeah. that's not necessarily the case. That's not, yeah, that's not necessarily the case. Now, that's a lifestyle change that is a positive lifestyle change that you're right. making in regards to managing the condition that you now have. Now, I've said this before, I um, do a lot of elimination diets when it comes to people who have food intolerances, and I will eliminate certain foods from people's diet to help uh, reverse their symptoms. But I wouldn't necessarily say that I am going to promote them consuming, you know, a juice cleanse as their only dietary intake for a time period. God, does Jalen have the hiccups? I hear our third co-host. You hear? With the the hiccups in the background. (laughs) He's just cooing. So I definitely agree to this. And I don't want you guys out there to think that me and Joanne are speaking out against um, juicing as is thought of in the dietetics community. Juices Uh do have benefits to them. They have different vitamins. They have different minerals. And I agree with Joanne putting the whole food um, kind of, I kind of, I call it a smoothie instead of a juice when it has the fiber in it. I do too. Um, There's benefits to that. But to say that these juices are going to eliminate like a cancer or reverse a lifestyle disease, uh, no. Um, So number six, the next uh, nutrition slash health trend we're going to look at is to eat more probiotics, which has been, which it's being pushed on us. So while there is some truth to this, let's go ahead and define some terms first. So a probiotic is an actual living microorganism. There's different strains of pro each probiotic and each different strain has a different function. And they are found right. in such right. foods as yogurt and mm-hmm. sauerkraut and kimchi and miso and all these other fermented foods that play a role in overall gut health. So lactobacillus, which I think is a very popular um, probiotic, it's commonly found in yogurt and it can help with diarrhea while, okay, y'all bear with me now. Bifidobacterium. Yes, girl. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another type of probiotic, which um, may be beneficial for people that have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. So just like humans eat food for fuel or energy, 
probiotics do the same thing. They need uh, an energy source as well. So prebiotics are found in many fiber-rich foods, and this is what probiotics eat. So the foods that prebiotics are found in are your fruits and your vegetables, and these work synergistically to promote overall gut health. So prebiotics and probiotics must work as a team, tag team, to get the optimal benefit. So for me, it's not only about eating probiotics. You got to feed those probiotics with some prebiotics to get the results what you are looking for. So for me, I'm going to lose this this diet slash health trend because I think it's only telling half of the story. What about you, Joanne? I love probiotics. I'm going to love it. I love probiotics. Um, And the way that you just explained it in regards to probiotics and prebiotics together. Okay, so I understand why you would say you would lose it in that sense. Mm -hmm. But in regards to adding probiotics to your your regular regimen. So for people who are using a lot of antibiotics, you've been on antibiotic therapy for a long period of time, you definitely need to be on a probiotic to replenish those bacterias that have been killed by those antibiotics because antibiotics are killing both good and bad bacteria. Correct. Um, Now, a lot of the time people will be on an antibiotic and they try to, they'll use yogurt as a form of replenishing those good bacterias. Um, So when it comes to yogurt, people like to, to, they tend to think that, you know, using yogurt in conjunction with an antibiotic is the way to go, but it's not because the bacteria in yogurt is not enough to replenish what the antibiotic, the damage, quote unquote, I would say that the um, antibiotic has done. So I would actually take probiotic supplements in that situation to replenish the good bacteria that has been removed. A lot of the times I'll work with folks who may have issues in regards to constipation and we'll work with your diet first. That's always my um, first go-to. And if that doesn't work, I will indeed recommend them being on a probiotic. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, I I see what you're saying. I do. I just think that the tag team needs to be there. I, I, I totally agree with that. So your diet overall, you know, using supplements, I, I think we've said this before in season one, like using supplements as your first go-to is never the recommendation. Mm-hmm. You know, work with your diet. And then if that's not working, then we do probiotics. If you're an, an, on an antibiotic, my, my clinical patients in the clinical um, facilities, I always put them on a probiotic if, there's a, if, they're, if they are on an antibiotic antibiotic. If they're on an antibiotic, I put them on a probiotic. Okay. Okay. So this is a good one. Carbs. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love carbs. Who doesn't? I love bread. Right? Best friend. Best friend. Right. So the trend that the, this trend has been going on for ages that carbs will make you gain weight. So the common mistake that people make when they're attempting to lose weight is restricting their food group. So the first food group that people usually go to is the carbohydrate. And, you know, it has a bad reputation for causing weight gain. And people, because of this, people tend to fear carbohydrates and they want to remove carbohydrates from their diets. 
So foods that contain carbohydrates, if you didn't know, it's just about all foods. So it includes fruits, starches, dairy products, you know, sugar. People like to think that carbohydrates are only starches, but it's in everything except for meat and eggs. So when it comes to eating, we always say a variety of foods are are needed, right? So that you're getting um, all kinds of vitamins and minerals that your body can use for growth and repair and maintenance. And doing away with carbs is not the way to go. It can put you at risk for mm-hmm. fatigue, osteoporosis, neurological damage. Um, I don't know if anyone has really truly been on a carb, a low carb diet, if they can agree and attest to this, how you feel like you can't put one sentence with another, like you can't, you know, your train of thought can't be straight, like you have brain fog going on because your brain is not being nourished because you're on such a low, low, low carbohydrate diet. And at the end of the day, it's not sustainable. Mm. It's not. So I guess you're you're losing this one, right? I am losing this one. I I love carbs so much. I'm definitely. There's no way. And I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, y'all know I'm a people watcher. Maybe y'all didn't know that, but I'm a people watcher. <laughs> I am a people watcher. That is my favorite thing to do, watch people. So a lot of the times I just have to remember my setting. So I went on a cruise recently and there was a family. It was a father, mother. They were older, maybe in their 60s, 70s, and their adult daughter and granddaughter. And they had ordered a Philly cheesesteak sandwich for lunch. And I am just looking at what they're eating, and I love to people watch. And they took off the bread, and they were just eating the Philly cheesesteak. And it was greasy. Uh huh. And I'm saying to myself, why are they doing that? Eat the whole thing. Eat the whole thing because, and I, I knew why they were doing it. They were doing it because they wanted to watch their weight. Mm-hmm. Fat burns in the flame of carbohydrate. Excess consumption of protein and fat, and excess consumption of anything can cause unwanted weight gain. So I think carbs do get a bad rep. So I'm going to I'm going to ditch this one and lose it for yes, Valentine's Day. They do get a bad rep. What what goes on in the United States is that we overdo everything. So mm-hmm. we overconsume carbohydrates, this is for sure. But mm-hmm. removing carbohydrates, reducing them to very low percentage of what we eat, it's that's ludicrous. It is. It really is. Um, I think another one that kind of piggybacks on, you know, the carbs will make you gain weight. So avoid carbs is Mm -hmm. now everyone's going gluten free, which Mm. is our last health trend or myth that we want to discuss. So I have known people who do not have a gluten allergy or gluten sensitivity and have completely eliminated gluten from their diet. Um, I think a lot of books have contributed to that. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, Joanne, I know you do a lot of um, intolerance and allergy testing. I'm not talking about that whatsoever. So as a dietitian, like I understand sometimes it may be necessary to go gluten-free for someone who is suffering from like celiac disease or has Mm -hmm. IBS, but 
is a gluten-free diet really for everyone? So before I let you know if I'm gonna love it or lose it, let's go ahead and look at a few things. Like for instance, what is gluten? So gluten is a protein, if you didn't know, that is found in various grains such as wheat and spelt and barley and rye, etc. Some people do have a hard time digesting this protein, so they have to eat like the non-gluten um, version of those foods. And at times, let's be real, micronutrient deficiencies can and will occur. Now, people with serious aversions to gluten should have some type of primary care provider to monitor their progress and a dietitian. And mm-hmm. also uh, the dietitian can help with nutrient deficiencies, but someone who just wants to go on a gluten-free diet, which I've been seeing, is just putting themselves at risk for no reason for a nutrient deficiency. And these nutrients, not to get into too much detail, iron, calcium, thiamine, niacin, and other B vitamins. So I guess you guys can tell by now, by everything that I'm listing, if I'm going to love it or lose it. But I'm going to lose it because neurological diseases can occur, anemia, osteoporosis, weakness, and in the worst case scenario, death. So the gluten-free diet, is it for everyone? No. In my opinion, it's not. What about you, Joanne? I am definitely going to lose it. I don't believe that the gluten-free diet is for everyone. What I will say is that, as I've said earlier before, we need to vary our intake with different foods. We shouldn't be eating, of course, breads and pastas and whatnot every day. This is true. But going on a gluten-free diet when there's nothing going on, just because that's another crazy concept. Mm-hmm. I love bread. I like eating millet bread. I like eating wheat bread, um, you know, different grains or whatnot where bread is made of. I'm cool with that. But totally removing gluten from your diet is crazy. And again, these marketing giants, what they've done is, I and I know, Kim, you, you can definitely attest to this. Just like when we were doing, we were going crazy with cholesterol-free stuff, where they would put cholesterol-free on stuff that doesn't even have cholesterol naturally on there is the same thing they're doing with the gluten-free diet. They're putting gluten-free on objects that would normally never have gluten in it because they feel like everybody's on a gluten craze. Exactly. And I think that is just um, these marketing people, they, they really take advantage of our lack of knowledge and then they boost up the prices. Right. They do. I mean, I don't I don't remember what product it was. I'm trying to have it come back to my mind, but maybe Jesus is blocking it because he knows I'm probably going to get sued if I say it. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a particular food item about 8 years ago that was always gluten-free and then when this gluten-free thing uh, came into light. And the reason why I know it was eight years ago is because it was when I started at the hospital where I am. And I was like, but this food has always been gluten-free. Like, why is there like a pa- a labeling now that says gluten-free? So they put the labeling on it and then they hiked up the prices. And I'm like, really now? Really? I guess when you, when you think about it, it does help those who do actually have conditions and who are not well-versed with nutrition it helps them to be able to see the label and just grab it and go. But it's all, I feel like on the other hand, it's telling people like gluten-free is what you should be doing. That's what people see. If they see it in their faces all the time, they're like, oh, so gluten is bad for me. So I should be going gluten-free because it's on everything. 
So right. I feel like it's it's kind of, I guess, a double-edged sword. Hmm. That is true. And I feel also, I, I haven't really seen it within our generation. I mean, I know it exists within our generation, but I feel like the older generations are just taking it and running, especially with the carbs will make me gain weight and the whole entire gluten-free diet. I feel like with the older generations, they're just taking that thing and running with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think about our lose it or love it and lose it trends? Do you guys agree? Do you guys disagree? Let us know. Go on our Facebook page, Nutrition Lifestyles, and comment and let us know whether you agree or disagree with any of what we said or all of what we said. As usual, guys, make sure to give us five stars and we'll see you guys next week. Until then, bye, guys.